welcome everybody to another edition of the Men's Advocate Show with me, your host, Linda Gross. I am pumped up, pumped up to tell you about today's show. Today is Wednesday, and if you're listening live at 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern Time, we are on with a brand new show, of course. So today's topic, we're going to be talking about the movie and book, the father effect. Uh, before we jump into that topic, if you happen to have missed last week's show, we were talking about ghosting, the art of hiding. It's it's going invisible on someone that you're dating. Did your date seem really into you and then suddenly disappear? Did your date cancel plans with little or no notice? Why is everyone so disrespectful these days? Is there a kinder kinder, gentler way of handling a breakup. That's what you'll listen to uh, if you missed last week's show. So easy to do so. You can do that from my mobile app for iPhones and also Android users. Uh, In the event that uh, you haven't downloaded my app yet, please do so. Um, We are also on SoundCloud and TuneIn if you want to catch up on this show and any and all of my archive shows. Great. So let's bring us forward to today's topic. We are talking today about the father effect, which is coming to terms with a father's divorce, death, or disinterest. Have you ever wondered why you are so angry? Have you ever wondered why you have to numb yourself with drugs or alcohol? Did you always think that you would never amount to anything? Well, pull up a chair, turn up the the volume, because we're going to get into all these issues with my uh, guest today, who's author and filmmaker John Finch. And the name of his book and movie is called The Father Effect. Welcome, John, to the show. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me, Linda. Awesome. So, yeah, you can catch him on uh, his website. It's thefathereffect.com, thefathereffect.com. Of course, he has a a YouTube and a Facebook page of the same name, so you can check him out. And as always, I will post all the links on my Facebook fan page. Uh, And it's easy to find my link, same name as the show, The Men's Advocate Show with Linda Gross, and we'll get get that uh, for you. Um, So... Let's kick it off with a clip from the movie. Uh, let's listen in. And he, and he says he was never prepared to be a father. Maybe if my dad had been there, it would have been easier. But he wasn't. Most of my life without a father. I can remember his face, but I can't remember a life with him. The last time I saw him, it was on a school day. He was always gone in the mornings, but for some reason he was able to drop me off that day. I will never forget that day. We have open phone lines right now for you to call in on this very powerful topic. Our phone number is 951-922-3532. Again, that number is 951-922-3532. John, tell us a little bit about that opening that opening scene. What inspired you to write that? Sure. The The story behind it is my dad, when I was 11 years old, committed suicide. And so that is probably the piece in the film that gets uh, the most attention, if you will, because it's a reenactment of that day. And, um, you know, it's, it's really the catalyst for the book and for me making the movie and just sharing my story, the real story of 
of growing up without a father, uh, the abandonment that I suffered from as a result of my dad choosing to take his own life. And, and I just struggled. I was really lost not having that, that father walk alongside me, kind of showing me and telling me what a real man's supposed to be. So um, I, I dove into alcohol and, and other things to try to medicate that father wound, if you will. And, and so that's, that's really the catalyst. It's, it's the most powerful piece that, that we have in the film, and it's the one we get the most responsible for. I think so, too. Wow. So now how did you make that connection to bridge the gap and rewrite history, so to speak? So in other words, there are so many millions of men that stay in anger mode. There are so many millions of men that medicate. You know, they medicate through drugs, alcohol, gambling, sports addiction. I mean, you name it. So how did you get from your experience and how you personally felt to, well, gee, I'm going to do something different with my life. I'm going to, you know, rewrite history here. Sure. I was actually on a golf course uh, with a friend of mine. Uh, it's probably been eight, nine years ago. And we, I was just sharing with him just very openly and honestly about some of the struggles I was having. And, and he turned to me at one point and said, you grew up without a father, didn't you? And I said, yeah. And I went on to give him this amazing story about my mom and and she is an amazing lady and just what an incredible mom she's been. As soon as I finished, he turned and said, but was she a dad? And it was in that moment that I had never thought about that question before. And he began to tell me about this, this uh, father wound and how, you know, a lot of us have this father wound in some form or fashion. Sometimes, you know, a few of us have it a little deeper than others and, and how it comes about. And so, I remember walking away from the golf course that day thinking, wow, finally, I've got this this cure for this disease I have. Because <laughs> up to that point, I didn't even know what it was that I was so angry about all the time. And so I walked away from the golf course and thought, wow, okay, that's that's huge. That's, that's what I have, and I need to look into this. But unfortunately, for the next couple of years, I still kind of lived in denial and thought I could kind of man up and suck it up and, and let's just figure this thing out on my own. Mm-hmm. Um, but a couple of years later, uh, my life had just literally imploded. And there was a lot of things going on personally. And, and um, God had just really taken me to this place of brokenness where uh, I just finally said, okay, I'm in. I've got to figure this father wound thing out. And so I started diving into it. And that, that's what really began my journey. Wow. So are you saying that your golfer friend had no idea whether you had a dad or not? I mean, he, that was just his guess of things? He, he, no, he knew a little bit of my story. He knew I grew up without a dad, but mm-hmm. I don't think he knew the whole story. And so he, he had just posed that question, you grew up without a dad, didn't you? And, and that's when I said, yeah, and, and that's when the conversation began. So he had a little bit of insight. As a matter of fact, he had been through a very similar story of his own, and and that was what really blew me away as I started this journey. As I shared my story with others, literally everyone I was talking to, both men and women, were sharing their stories back with me about a father and how it impacted their life and, and the depth of their father wounds. So I saw pretty quickly what just how big an epidemic it was. Wow. So what is it? about you that made the shift from staying stuck and actually moving forward and doing something about it. Um, You know, like in my case, my first book, which is I wrote the men's, uh, the men's book is uh, Mastering Women. And I don't know if you want to call it a higher power or intervention or who knows what, what you want to call it, but I literally was uh, woken up at four in the morning, and normally at that at that time, you know, before I started to write the book, four in the morning was not my friend. I mean, I had never woken up at four in the morning <laughs> without some darn good reason. You know, maybe I I have to go, you know, on an early morning flight to Europe or something. But shy uh-huh. of that, four in the morning was not my friend. So anyway, I woke up at four in the morning, and something compelled me to get out of bed, get out of bed, and I did. And I went to my computer and I flipped it on and I typed one sentence 
And that was the start of my whole journey with being a men's advocate, with writing the book. I did, I interviewed 20,000 men to write the book, but that, that was my jump point. So I'm wondering, you know, yes, it was, you had this ruminating in your mind with your golf friend and kept that, you know, at bay close to your heart. But what was the next step that said, oh, I got to do something with this message? I think, well, let me let me back up for a second. The, uh, I believe there's only one four o'clock, and it's the one in the <laughs> afternoon. I have I have no idea if there's one in the morning or not. Oh, <laughs> yes. I, I'm sorry if I didn't say so. 4 a.m. 4 a.m. There's, there's, that 4 a.m. does not exist in my mind. I don't know that I've ever been up at that time. Um, <laughs> But it, well, really, it was it was really the the crossroads. It was there was so much going on in my life that was bad. I was having issues in my marriage and my family with my kiddos, and really, it was just the, a pressure point, if you will. And I just I knew all along that I had an issue mm-hmm. uh, and, and something that I struggled with. And I think it was just in in one of those moments of okay. I've I've got to figure this thing out to straighten my life out and to save my marriage and my family. And so uh, for me, it was kind of the ultimate moment of, okay, you've got to do something or you're going to lose it all. Aha. Uh-huh. Okay. So you're almost fear-driven. Like, I, I don't want to go to that fear place, so let's make something positive out of this. Absolutely. Yeah, it was. And, and again, as I had shared my story with more and more people, I, it just really motivated me, inspired me to to start that journey because I was like, you know, I thought I was all alone and the only one going through it. And the more and more I shared my story, I realized, wow, you know, this thing is all over the place. This is this is huge, and and it's still much bigger than I think most people realize. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of men don't want to face this because it's just pretty painful. I mean, it's painful already to not have the, your dad in your life, but then to have to, you know, it just brings up old wounds, I think. I think a lot of guys, you know, like I was saying earlier, they just want to self-medicate and push it away. Absolutely. And, and that's exactly what I did. And I see that in a lot of my my friends and a lot of the, the men that I've mentored and talked with. It's It's a pride issue. You know, we don't want to admit that we're messed up, you know, yeah. and all of us are, <laughs> you know, we, <laughs> none of us have this father thing figured out. I, I'm not perfect and I continue to screw up all the time and, and, but, but it's just continuing to get up when you get knocked down and, and really the battle of going through it, you know, it's one of those situations where it's going to be probably one of the toughest times of your life. But man, when you come out the backside of it and you find that healing, and the biggest thing for me was just being able to forgive my dad. When I forgave my father, mm-hmm. it was incredible. It, it it radically changed my life in every way as a man, husband, and father. Wow. Wow. I love hearing that story. All right. We're, if you've just joined us, you're currently listening to the Men's Advocate Show with me, your host, Linda Gross. We are on with author and filmmaker John Finch. He's bringing uh, forward his uh, new book and, and film called The Father Effect, which is coming to terms with your father's divorce, death, or death disinterest. So when we come back from the break, um, I want to ask John about what was the process? Uh, Did you interview other men? Did you go through a personal transformation or personal healing first? What was the process of getting from A to B? So we'll catch you right back after the break. Oh, by the way, the phone number is 951-922- 3532-951-922-3532. Come back and tell us about your story or question to John. Thank you. Hey guys, do you have a nagging problem that you just can't get a handle on? Now you can talk to an expert coach right in the privacy of your own home. Meet in person, over the phone, or with a free Skype call anywhere in the world. Linda is here to make it easy for you. Linda Gross has done years of academic research combined with interviewing over 20,000 men. Linda's expert advice gets you through tackling relationship issues, business goals, conflict resolution, and removing lifetime roadblocks that have kept you back, usually handled in four sessions or less. Realize the benefits now. Go to the Men's Advocate page slash coaching and you'll be on your way. That's the Men's Advocate dot com slash coaching. 
You've heard her on the Men's Advocate Show with Linda Gross. How can you help further? From her Facebook fan page of the same name. Hit the Shop Now button and save this link to your favorites. Make all your usual Amazon purchases and some of the revenue will support her show at no additional cost to you. No book purchase required. Just start with this link every time. The Men's Advocate Show with Linda Gross thanks you. The Men's Advocate Show with Linda Gross. We will be discussing men's issues, dating, relationships, sex, women, fitness, health, business, men's hobbies, men's rights, and more. She will be talking about excerpts from her men's book, Mastering Women 2. Google KMET Advocate and save to your favorites every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time. We proudly rejoin our programming with The Men's Advocate Show with your host, Linda Gross. On KMET, 1490 AM, Smart Talk. Welcome back, everybody. You're currently listening to the Men's Advocate Show with me, your host, Linda Gross. You are on with my guest today, John Finch, who's the author and filmmaker of the powerful subject that we're talking about today, The Father Effect. So, John, tell us a little bit about the process. Did the book come first, then the movie, or vice versa? And what what was the process? Did you have to go through personal uh, healing and development? Did you interview other men how how did it work tell us about that sure so i'm a huge advocate of counseling and i had found a counselor and and, you know as men we don't want to really admit (laughs) again (laughs) that we have any issues or struggles so i i found a really good counselor that uh through some friends and and i started going to him and i went to him for about three months and you know every man and woman's journey is different um for me, it was about three months, and it was in one of those sessions that that really it just everything came together, and it was the, the one question that was posed was, you know, how could my dad be a dad when he had no clue how to do so? Uh, you know, how could I be so angry, bitter, and resentful towards a man who didn't know how to be a father? And right. And so I knew he grew up without a dad. His dad died when he was nine, and... And he was raised mostly by his grandmother, and his his mom had five different men that she was married to. So he had guys that were in and out of his life, and mm. and so really had no good positive male role model. And so it was really connecting the dots and learning more about my father and his past that then gave me a compassion for him, and ultimately the forgiveness. And so uh, after that. It was, okay, we've got to get this word out, and we've got to tell these stories so that other men can hear them and understand the, the significant and lifelong impact they have on their kids. So um, I'm a big video guy and movie guy. I would mm-hmm. rather sit and watch a video than I would read a book. Yeah, <laughs> so I think most men just, are like that, by the way. Right, right. We're visual, right? So yeah. Um, in the process, it was just like, okay, let's let's make a movie. Let's figure this thing out. I wasn't a filmmaker, but I had some some mentors of mine that just kind of speaked encouragement into my life and said, okay, go figure it out. So, went and got a camera, figured out lighting and audio is pretty important, and uh, just literally started interviewing people and and telling their stories along with mine, and and really just the film came together as we pieced the story along. And it's really a story, again, about the message of forgiveness and the power, the life-changing power of forgiveness. But it's my story threaded among several other people's stories, including some best-selling authors and, and just all types of people. We interviewed over 80, and anything from a, a UFC fighter who was a former champion to a rabbi to an exotic dancer to counselors and you name it. And so... Um, as a result of that that movie that that we had the opportunity to to write the book and and give really a, a deeper uh, detailed story of of everything and how everything kind of came about. So uh, I did it exactly opposite that everybody else does it. <laughs> everybody usually writes a book then makes a movie and and you know just so happens that that I did it the other way around. I've I've never been much of a leader uh, a follower. I've always been kind of a leader. So there you go. I love that. And you you brought 
both of them to the ta- table. So there you go. You're you're way ahead of the game for for most people who are creative yeah. people. So good for you. Now, I know your your book and your movie sort of have um, a men's slant to it, but I'm here to tell you that that a lot of young women need their dads, too. I write about this topic in my book as well, in Mastering Women, that don't kid yourself. It's, you know, that there's so much to be learned from each sex, uh, and both sexes, unlike the lies that women's lib told us in the 1970s, um, you know, the sexes are not the same. They, they serve two totally different purposes. They overlap a little bit, of course, but one one sex one gender's strength is another gender's weakness and vice versa and we're here to build each other up we're here to build up the family and and uh the daughters absolutely do need um you know their dads do, too a strong presence in their life as well you know some a lot of times people ask me well why are you a men's advocate why are you a men's advocate and you know i have my dad to thank for it i was one of the lucky ones that i had a very present dad in my life and he taught me a lot of what would quote unquote be considered male traits you know like about cars and learning how to read maps and learning how to be good at math and science and these are typically not you know girl interest, so to speak, but um, I learned a lot from him that I could translate, you know, into the world and with my, my personal relationships as well. So dads are very key. They're very important. Absolutely. The the I have three daughters, and, and making this film really opened my eyes to just the, the influence that I have on them. I mean, for example, you know, I'm setting the standard as a man, husband, and father, that they will measure every other man, husband, and father. And the way I love my wife really sets the standard by which they will expect to be loved by their husbands. And so for a, for a young daughter to have a positive male role model, it's huge. And there's only there's only things that a father can give a daughter that a mom can't. Right. Uh, you know, I, I get a lot of pushback and, and angry single moms <laughs> that will <laughs> that will you know email me as a result of some of the things that I say as it relates to that but you know being a single mom is hard enough I, I was raised by one and I understand I mean their plate is full and, and it is it is an incredibly tough job um, but as much as you are a mom you don't have the tools to be a dad and there's things that can only be passed down to a son and a daughter from a dad. And so, you know, all the single moms out there, I just say, look, reach out to some guys, some friends, you know, coaches, whatever, and have somebody coming over and spending some some consistent time with your daughter so that they see what a positive male role model looks like. Otherwise, they're going to buy into everything that the, the that TV and movies are telling them, and, right. and which so much of that is so distorted and, and – uh, and lies that it's it can really really impact the rest of their life and the man that they choose to marry. I absolutely give the same advice, and I think it's so important. I think that single moms cannot do it all, um, and if the if the natural dad is still in the person's life, don't withhold the children from that dad. You know, make make him be a part of the child's life. It's so important. And if the dad, for some reason, is not in the child's life, you know, look to uh, a grandpa or an uncle or a sports figure or a religious figure or someone, some male mentor that the kid can spend a little time with to get that male influence. Sure. Sure. Absolutely. Uh, I, I remember something uh, in your movie saying something about you teach the guys how to love. In other words, how to love their partner or their wife. Tell us a little bit about that and why that's so important. Yes, I, you know, understanding the concept of modeling, um, mm-hmm. and and I didn't know that until I started making the movie. I was kind of that do nothing guy husband who really didn't spend a lot of time and effort in in showing you know my daughters what what it looked like to love my wife and you know now I'm very intentional I walk in kind of that daily awareness of my impact and so you know in the mornings I do the very best I can to to get up and when everybody's getting ready for school and I try to hug and kiss on my wife 
uh, in the evenings, I try to do the same thing. I consciously just try to be intentional in doing that as often as I can in front of my, my girls. Now, my two oldest girls that are like, yuck, dad, that's gross, you know, yeah. <laughs> that type of yeah. thing. Um, but my youngest, my 11-year-old, even to this day, uh, she will just kind of sit over there at the bar and just have the biggest grin on her face. So, you know, there's there's an important security and stability in a kid being able to leave the house in the morning for school and know that mom and dad love one another and that they are in a good place and, and that that's, that's, a, that's a cherished, respected relationship. And so, you know, just understanding that modeling concept was so big for me, even just the tone of voice I use with my wife, even more so than, than sometimes the, uh, what I do as far as my body language. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's really just speaking encouragement and, and understanding my wife's love language. You know, it's amazing to me that the number of men who don't know what their wife's love language is. And uh, mine, my wife's is is servant. Uh, You know, it's it's me helping with the dishes and doing the laundry and things of that nature, which I still need a lot of work on. (laughs) It's it's those type of things. That's how she kind of that's her love language. And that's how she feels love when I do those things. And so. There's others that are gifts and, you know, other other different things. But it's it's very, very important to understand your your mate's love language and, and kind of what makes them tick. Absolutely. And with regard to your daughters, you're serving as a blueprint that this is how a loving relationship can be. And that's so very important, whether you com- communicate that verbally or not, if you're just in their physical presence and showing love, showering love upon your, your wife, you know, that spills in. It does go, go through the brain cells. They may not let you know that it is, like daughter number one and two, but you know what? Sooner or later, might be even years later, but all those messages, all those imprints are definitely going in. So good for you. Sure. Well, thank you. I, it's it's been a rough road, and I'm I'm a knucklehead, <laughs> so it's taken <laughs> taken a little longer to to sink in for me. But yes, it's you know what what we're doing at home is really creating their normal, what they see as normal, and uh, and it's pretty tragic. And a lot of the stories I hear as to what people see as their own normal, and and a lot of times it's not very healthy. And so we are really setting the bar for for what they consider normal. Gotcha. All right. There was a quote from the movie. I think this was from Tony Dungy. Uh, He's a former NFL coach. And his quote is, we have a whole generation of men who don't understand how much they mean to their kids. I have to uh, beg a little difference to this quote because I think it's actually been the other way around. Uh, you know, I think, uh, you know, I do a lot of bad mouthing with regard to women's lib, the second wave of women's lib. And, you know, they had good ideas. They had the equal pay for equal work. They still haven't gotten that solved 40 years later, what have you. But I think the one awareness that I do like that happened as a result of women's lib is dad's finally became more involved in their kids' lives. I think prior to then, you know, dad was seen as the breadwinner. Uh, Moms typically didn't work, seen as the breadwinner. And sometimes he would have to work two and three jobs. He would leave early in the morning and maybe come back, you know, maybe just before bath time, just before the kid's ready to fall asleep and so forth. And it was, I think, a, a generation, many, many generations of a hands-off dad, uh, you know, before women's lib. So I kind of disagree with the NFL coach. What do you, what do you think well, about that? No, I, I absolutely. And, and that quote is actually, so it took us about five years to make the movie. Yeah. And it's been out a couple of years now. And that quote, I would guess, is probably eight to nine years old. So okay. I, I do agree. I think that there's a there's been a shift, and I think especially within the millennial generation, the younger generation of fathers, mm-hmm. uh, I think they see the value, and I think they're getting it. And, and even the older dads, you know, like myself, I'm almost fifty, <laughs> but mm-hmm. uh, some of us are are starting to get it and really understand it. So so I agree. I think it's uh, I think more and more now you see. Uh, obviously, the stay-at-home dads, which I think is a is a great thing, 
and and all the things of that you know weren't around ten years ago, and, and people viewed fatherhood, I think, in such a different way. Absolutely, and there's a whole segment of the population because of legal action that now you know the the parents are divorced, and dads more than ever. In fact, it's one of the legal groups that I advocate for dads more than ever are gaining custody. It used to be that, you know, it's just a weekend dad, you know, a Disneyland dad was the term that was uh, their moniker, but now they're gaining 50-50% uh, custody. So, you know, half the time they are stepping up and they might not have had a good role, good role model, a good dad, but they're trying to figure it out and they join dad's groups and they try to do right by their kids. So it's one area that I'm very impressed with and I I, you know, I have, they have my support and backing that dads today are like no dads we've ever seen in our history. They are more involved than ever, I think. I agree. I, I do agree. I think the, it, there has been this just this, this eye opening, I think, as the last several years have, have come about and, and men are getting it. And they, and you know, what we're trying to do with the film and the book is, is help guys understand, you know, uh, just do the best you can with what you have, but yeah. also confide in other men. You know, just just get real and, and be authentic and and transparent with other men. And it's amazing how how often, as we share our own stories with other men specifically, that the the number of guys that come back and go, "Wow, you know what? I've got the same scenario, or I struggle with the same thing." And then there becomes this this band of brothers, if you will that you can really do life with and, and, and see some successes and, and, and improvements in, in your fathering. And, and so that's, yeah, that's a huge, huge piece and, and I think a big change in what we've seen in the last several years. Absolutely. It's still very hard to make that first step because I think young boys from the age of four are taught, you know, boys don't cry and boys have to be know-it-alls. And when the teacher calls on you, you better know the answer. So I think young boys grow up with this sense of you don't want to ever admit that you're wrong. So by saying that something is wrong in the household or I had issues with my wife or issues with my dad, you know, who wants to admit that? So it's just getting past that first block to, you know, finally be able to open up and, and uh, you know, be among other men who are going through the same thing. I think what you said, and I, I share this story quite a bit, one of the guys that we interviewed for the film really opened my eyes to it. And he said, you know, as, as little bitty people <laughs> with little boys, if you will, yeah. From a very young age, at four or five years old, they're on the soccer field, football field, whatever, and we're telling them that if they fall down, to get back up, suck it up, man up. If you're not bleeding, you're fine, you know, that type of thing. So from a very young age, we're teaching young boys not to be real about their emotions, right. to hide them, to, to be fake and to, and to cover those things up and not communicate it. So then we have these millions of, of young boys that have grown into men for many generations and they're growing up and getting married and, and doing the same with their wives. They're not communicating because of, you know, that type of mentality. And they're not being real and authentic with other men because of that, that crazy lie that they were told early on. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so what is, the, what is the key here? Like how do they – how do these men break that cycle of being broken fathers? You know, I think – the the father relationship of their own, uh, their relationship with their dads, it's really coming to terms with it because, you know, I say all the time that, that unforgiveness is a prison you choose to live in. And for me, unforgiveness for my father was uh, something that I carried. It was a huge piece of baggage that I carried for 30 years. And as much as I didn't want to admit it and I wanted to deny it, it was impacting every aspect of my life. Mm -hmm. And so it was the freedom I found through that forgiveness that really kind of just broke those chains. And and, and so understanding your dad's history, uh, right. understanding that in a lot of cases, most likely, he probably didn't have the best example if he wasn't the best example for you. And so really digging in there. And again, it, it's not going to be easy. It's going to be tough. It's, it was probably the toughest, you know, three months of my life. And 
and really working through all this. And it brought up a bunch of the old emotions. And I couldn't even say the word dad in counseling because of the anger and bitterness that it that it brought up and within me. And wow. so just just walking through that process and knowing that, yeah, this is this is going to suck, <laughs> you know, at times. <laughs> yeah. uh, but I've got to do it in order to to impact my kids in a positive way and be the, the dad that I was created to be. And, and for future generations, because what you're doing right now is setting in motion things that will that can be passed down for, for many, many generations. Absolutely. All right, uh, John, it looks like we have a caller on the line. Welcome, Joe. Joe is calling us from Kentucky. You're on with my uh, guest today, John Finch. Go ahead, Joe. Hey, it's Men Advocate East here (laughs) again. Hi there. How's it going? um, Good. Um, I wanted to say, you know, for your guest there that, um, you know, my heart goes out to somebody who's lost a parent and... uh, you know, you and I have worked together on a few issues, and I, uh, you know, want to mention that, you know, not there had, you know, we mentioned the single mothers, <clears throat> but also people, in my case, as a single father, you know, you see a lot of the difference in, in, in single people that are single mothers compared to single fathers. And, uh, like, if you look up some of the statistics that are available, you know, a large population of men that are in prison are coming from single mother homes. And you're talking about some of the women's lives issues and uh, the modern feminism today. And I think that uh, as your uh, guest is saying, you know, there is a value to both parents being in the home. That statistics prove that having a loving home sets a good example for a child to be the most successful and that a father is very important to prepare children for hardships in life where a lot of times the children grow up to fail without a father in the home. Absolutely. You're absolutely right. Go ahead, John. I'll share a story with you. Thanks so much, Joe. It's such a great comment. I, one of the things not having a dad in my life growing up is I was in high school uh, playing football, and I decided I wanted to quit because I wasn't – I didn't think I was getting treated fairly by the coach. And, of course, my mom responded, well, darling, I'll, I'll, I'll support you in any way, you know, that type of thing. And because I didn't have a dad sitting there going, nope, you know what? You're going to suck it up. You're going to man up, and you're going you're gonna, to, you know, play this thing out, and you're going to do what you need to do. I then – began to find it very easy to quit, very easy to quit at things that I wasn't successful at. And so that's one prime example, and I totally agree with you, Joe. It's it's a big thing, and it if you look at a lot of our societal issues, a lot of them are grounded in um, you know not having that father, whether it be prison inmates, and we got to interview a few for the film, whether it be teenage pregnancy, cutting, running runaways. I mean, a lot of those things, addiction is a big one. A lot of those things are rooted in not having that father there in the home also. Yeah, your movie does go through a lot of those stats, even down to committing suicide themselves, Um, dropping out of school, becoming teenage moms, uh, 24 times more likely to run away, 15 more times to end up in prison while a teenager. I mean, the stats are just completely out of control we as a country have to wake up and realize just how important dads are that they're not just to be seen as the breadwinner that there's so many more you know so much more social impact that is at stake um, if that relationship is broken or non-existent absolutely uh, we, we had we got the opportunity to, to talk to a prison chaplain and I talk about in the movie the statistics are nine out of ten people have a father one. Some would argue it's it's everyone, right? Ten out of ten. But this <laughs> one chaplain said he pulled me aside. He said, "John, in prison, he says it's twelve out of ten. Every one of these inmates, whether it be male or female, has some type of father wound, and that's how how big of a of, of an epidemic within the prison walls that he sees it. Uh, so it was very very interesting being able to have a conversation with him about it. Wow. 
you can, you can take that kind of as a joke, but uh, but I think it's probably true. I mean, because sometimes uh, that that young boy has more than one male figure in their life. It could be, um, you know, maybe his natural dad is biological dad, then there might be a boy, you know, then the mom gets a boyfriend or might be some other male that's in the mother's life. So, yeah, he's probably getting kicked around from <laughs> from more than one direction. So probably 12 out of 10 probably is true. Yeah, the anger, you know, what I saw and the people that we interviewed in the prisons, the men, uh, there's an incredible anger. And so many times it comes from that not getting affirmation from a father or not having a father involved. And it was like, well, my dad doesn't care, so I could care less. And there's this there's just this anger that that they have. And until they even connect the dots about where that's coming from, they're they're acting out as a result of that. And so much of that is leading to, to all the issues that we have and, and, and the crime and gang activity and everything else. Yeah, in the book, you I mean, in the movie, you use the term father wound, and you explain that to mean uh, someone who's abandoned you, spoken negatively of you, or physically or verbally been abusive to you. So... Tell us a little bit about that dynamic and and how a young man can get past that. Sure. You know, the father wound plays itself out in so many different ways, Uh, whether it's just a dad never saying, I'm proud of you, I love you, I believe in you. Some of the basics that that every young boy and and girl need to hear. Um, And and really, it comes back to, um, again, kind of connecting the dots. You know, ultimately, hopefully, finding forgiveness for your father and understanding he could only give what he had, and yeah. so many of them just didn't have it to give. You know, the the really really good stuff, and so they didn't have it modeled for them. And so, how can they turn around and give it to to someone when they don't know what that looks like? So, it's really about that forgiveness piece, and then and again, understanding and really coming. Uh, to know your dad's own history and, and how it is that he grew up and, and really finding out more and more about him. Uh, and, and I believe that leads to a compassion like it did with, with me that that then allows that, that door to be open for forgiveness. Absolutely. And one way um, that I get into that compassion mode or that I tell my clients to get into that compassion mode is if your parent is acting up to the degree that you say he or she is, you can only imagine what your parent went through that this is now the end result. <laughs> so, uh-huh. you know, of course your parent has coping mechanisms and you're, of course your parent tried to do the best he, he or she could do, but goodness knows what your grandparents were like to your parent to cause this much damage. Absolutely. And that's it. It really is understanding that generational thing, if you will, to understand that, you know, my dad didn't have a dad, but then I asked questions and learned, you know, later that his dad didn't have a dad. And I mean, it just, it's this thing that gets passed down until someone's willing to step up and say, you know what, this is no longer going to happen here. We're going to change this this generational thing, and we're going to break the cycle, and we're going to start a new legacy. Mm-hmm. And, and that's ultimately what it's all about. It's taking that step, and, and that goes back to that forgiveness piece. If you want to start a new legacy and, and impact the generations that come after you in a positive way, you know, your children, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren, it's, it's really a matter of let's take the step to figure this father wound thing out and, and get some healing and freedom from it. Absolutely. I love that. One of the most powerful lines in the movie for me was one of your um, people that you interviewed said, you're not worth it for me to be here, meaning that the dad is saying this quote, you're not Mm. worth it for me to be here. So tell us a little bit about this quote and what that meant to you, that line. Sure. Dr. John Sowers said that he's a uh, he runs the mentoring project, um, and they're an organization that really helps mentor the fatherless. And I was interviewing him, and that was a, a very very powerful line for me because I think I had asked him to just kind of share his thoughts about an absent father and what it means to a kid. And that's when he said, 
you know, when a dad's not there, you're, what you're telling the child is you're not worth it for me to be around. Because what happens is if a child sees, and I see this quite a bit, whether, and, and we say absent fathers, most mm-hmm. people think physically, but there's also the emotionally absent father. There's the guy that lives right there in the home, but he chooses to do other things rather than spend time with his kids and be involved and engaged with his kids. So if that dad is would rather go out with his buddies and drink, if he would rather go in the garage and work on cars, if he'd rather go play golf every day, he would rather do those things. His child sees him making those choices and sees that they are no longer a priority and important in his life. And so that's what it's telling that child. You're not worth it for me to be around if I'm going to do these other things. And you're not a priority and important in my life. So it's it's huge, those things. And kids are smart at really young ages. They're connecting the dots and figuring this thing out pretty quick. And so we've got to be careful in, in what we do and what we choose as priorities on a daily basis. Absolutely. And you know what? That quote might not even be accurate. It might not be that the dad doesn't want to be there for the child. It might be, hey, maybe he just doesn't know how, or it's not in his wheelhouse, or it's not in his comfort zone. So tinkering in the garage is more fun for him only because he feels awkward. So, I, I agree. I agree. But at the same time, I think for a man, and it goes back to that pride issue, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> that we don't want to admit that we don't know how to do it. Right. But if, if a man truly does love and care for his child, he's going to do something to try to figure it out. You know, it's like, okay, I need to talk to some other man. I need to read some books. I need to do something. But ultimately, if they really, really care and care about their kids and love them, they're going to try to figure something out in some way. And it's awkward a lot of times. And, and again, going back to the pride, don't want to be awkward, don't want to have these weird conversations. But, but as men and as fathers, we've got to step up and be willing to do that and show our kids just, just how poor they are in our lives. Absolutely. And if it's a blind spot that you know, makes you feel awkward, then like you say, go learn. I mean, if it were your job, some some element in your job, if you needed to take an extra class or you needed to learn more about a subject that just came across your desk that you don't know enough about, hey, you go learn it. Whether you learn it through your peers or learn it through reading or learn it through taking a course, uh, same thing should apply here with your own child, for, for goodness sake. Absolutely. I, I tell people all the time, you know, as men, we're competitive by nature in a lot of cases, and so... If we're a CEO or a janitor or if we're a salesman or whatever it is we do, we want to be the very best we can, except sometimes fatherhood. We just, we're just we okay with settling with mediocrity when it comes to fatherhood. And so we've got to be – we've got to change that mindset say, you know what? I want to be the best father I can. There's tons of podcasts. There's tons of books. There's tons of resources, more now than ever before, that can show you how to do that. And so that's something we've got to – We've got to be willing to, uh, to, you know, to take on and really to spend some time in doing. Absolutely. Another line that was so powerful for me in the movie was, my not having a dad excluded me from believing in anything and believing in anything bigger than me. Wow. That's pretty grounding. I mean, it's, that- it's, it's, it's pretty that you get kicked to the ground on that one. That was one of the first interviews we did, and it was with a, a young 24-year-old man. And and that was, yes, that was another one of the many wow moments for me. It's like, like wow, this young man's sitting in front of me and, and sharing that. And I asked him, you know, how did the lack of a, a, a father influence his life? And that was his response. So, you know, our, our kids, we're heroes to our kids. We really are. And, and, but at the same time, what I've learned and one of the biggest lessons I've learned that I, I talk about in the movie and in the book is you know, understanding when I screw up, when I lose my temper or you, you curse at your child or just do something that you know you shouldn't have done. It's the ability to go and have a conversation with that child and say, you know what? I am so sorry. I was having a bad day or just explain yourself and, and, and show them that, you know what? I'm not perfect. My kids know I'm not perfect because I have to apologize and ask them for forgiveness a lot, <laughs> you know, yeah. more more than I wish. But but it, it it shows them I'm not perfect. I'm doing the very best I can. But it also shows them that they don't have to be perfect. 
and that it's okay to mess up and make mistakes. Right. You know, much like the other line, this assessment by this young man also might not be accurate. Maybe dad does think you're a promising baseball star, or maybe dad does think that you have certain exceptional skills. But I think as young men, young men absolutely need affirmation. They need confirmation. They need acceptance, especially from their dads, that things are okay, that you're, son, you're on the right track. I might not agree with you on certain areas, but just keep doing what you're doing. You're on the right track. Just that, you know, attaboy, pat on the back kind of thing might be all that son needs. Sure. And I I see that quite a bit, you know, from men that I've had grown men that lived in million dollar homes, had matching Lexuses and and had two hundred thousand dollar boats, you know, just crazy amounts of money. And and he sat and told me, you know what, John, Uh, you see all this stuff here to this day. My dad's alive. And to this day, this is all to prove to my dad that and just to hear that one time him say, son, I'm proud of you. And he's yet to say it. Wow. Just so wrong. By the way, if you've just joined us, you're listening to the Men's Advocate Show with me, your host, Linda Gross. If you liked our show today and any and of all any and all of our shows, show your love. Listen, call, like my fan page, follow, comment, share, tell a friend, download my app, use the Amazon link, and buy my book on Amazon. These are all ways that you can help support the show. So, uh, John, in closing, uh, we have about 20 seconds left. Do you want to wrap up your final thoughts? Sure. Uh, you know what? I just appreciate the opportunity to come and share, Linda. And, and again, I'm not perfect in any any means, and I'm continuing to learn I would just continue to, to, to encourage men, do the best you can, continue to get better, do everything you can to, to be there for your children uh, emotionally, physically, and in every way, and, and just know that, that you are setting that standard and that you're impacting uh, uh, your legacy and the generations that come. Thank you so much for being on the show, John. I really appreciate it. And I'll put all of John's links again on my Facebook fan page. Thank you for joining us. We will see you here each and every Wednesday, 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern Time. See you next time on the Men's Advocate Show. 